one. Good morning. It is Friday. Oh, yes. thank God it's Friday. <laughs> I'm right. Deb. This is um, Jill. And we have a guest today. Yay. I'm from the Heartlight Center. And I get to do a presentation or two of them actually. Mm -hmm. There in February, on February 8th, one for professionals, including funeral folks and hospice, and one for people who've had losses. Mm -hmm. um, but Jen's from Colorado, where we've had some big losses. Yes. So, Jen, you want to share a little bit about you and what it feels like in Colorado right now? Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm so grateful that we have connected and just to find um, this community, I will say uh, it's such a humbling but welcoming um, place to be. So thanks for having me today. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I actually started my career, my volunteer career, I would say, um, a, a lot longer ago than I uh, like to admit. I keep saying 10 years, but I think it's actually been closer to 25. Um, <laughs> forever 10. Uh, right? Yeah. So I started as a hospice volunteer um, when I was in um, earning my bachelor's degree in social work. And somebody came, I took this class that a professor said, you have to take the class. And it was on death and death and dying life and living. And somebody came and did a presentation and I was probably the only person, um, only 19 year old in the class that thought, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. And so and says you're one of us. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I started, um, volunteering for the hospice, um, up in Fort Collins, Colorado and, um, stuck with it ever since. Um, I went all through, um, graduate school and, uh, to earn my master's in social work, um, out in Kansas city. And I volunteered, um, for a pediatric hospice out there and, um, did ran some children's grief camps. And then what I was confident I didn't want to do was make a job out of something that I loved because if it, if I started working in hospice, surely I wouldn't love it as much, uh, which I, I found to not be true. Um, so I started, um, I worked as a hospice social worker and then, uh, really grew up. I, I was a clinical manager, um, for several years and then, um, in more administrative roles for hospice and palliative care groups here in Colorado. So I found my way to Heartlight Center uh, about a year and a half ago, um, as all things do or usually do are led with um, life-changing events or transitional moments. And I had a very good friend who had um, founded Heartlight 20 years ago. And we were at coffee one day and both of us were like, oh, and she thought, I want to retire. And I said, well, I kind of want to do what you do. So, so here we are um, a little over two years later. So I have um, been filling her shoes um, or my own, I should say, next to hers. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be in a place. Heartlight is a not-for-profit that offers um, meaningful, accessible uh, grief support and education. So whatever that means to um, somebody who has experienced a loss, to a community who's interested in it, who sits in a class and thinks, oh, that would be fun. And then uh, to professionals and volunteer caregivers, we provide education as well. They're very and busy and their website is Phenom. Yeah, thank you. That's, um, 
Jen, this is really amazing. Like, did the two of you create this or was this created already and you sort of walked into it and... Yeah, it, so Heartlight was actually, has actually been in the Denver community for over 20 years. And we, we get questions all the time. You know, how do I start a support group? And I will tell you that Heartlight, uh, we, they established a, they're not for profit um, and opened the doors for the first support group and nobody came. And I think that is such a compelling story. And the reason I think that's a compelling story is um, I think so much in this work, it's not always about the number of people that come. But you send a message and when you say something's available, the message that people receive that maybe even are considering it is if it's available, it means that I'm not wild or crazy or I hear the word crazy all the time. Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. That's um, exactly the question they ask. People they feel crazy. I and, feel crazy. Yeah. And just knowing that something's available says, no, you're not crazy. Clearly other people this know normal. this too. Mm -hmm. So so Heartlight grew um, from nobody at, at a support open support group uh, to now we serve over, um, I think in 2021, we served over 1900 people in different ways uh, through, through online and in-person support groups. Mm -hmm. As with, with most places, uh, the pandemic changed what we were able to offer. Mm -hmm. And when we started online offering our groups, what we found is that we reached an entirely different group of people. And when we were able to start meeting again in person, uh, we were really committed to saying uh, that we wanted to continue that outreach to people that aren't either in our local area. Maybe it's more comfortable to participate virtually, um, maybe logistically, you know, for caregivers, it's, it's hard to take out three hours of your day to drive mm -hmm. to a group and be there. Um, but to log in online, maybe 90 minutes is more um, feasible. So we are really committed to, uh, that's, you know, when I say meaningful and accessible, um, we want to offer a variety of programs, but then also make them accessible to people. You know, what I really like about what you're saying is it, it doesn't just have to be, number one, people in the Denver area, mm -hmm. right? And then I think, how long have you been open? How long was this again? I forgot the age. 20, 20 years. Oh, in 20, sort of mm -hmm. like what Jill and I did. No, no, they've been open no, for 20 years. For 20 yeah. years. Oh. Yeah. 2001. Oh, like mm -hmm. you haven't had enough in the Denver area because <laughs> uh, um, I had, you had Aurora go on. Columbine. You had uh, uh, Columbine, right? Wasn't Columbine mm -hmm. when the yeah. fires now? Mm -hmm. And the fires now, let alone there was another thing that happened in Aurora right. not too long ago. That's and I just weird. think, huh, I mean, yeah, that's my that's my expression. And I have decided, oi is a complete sentence. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just like, oi. Yeah. You know, yes. they just keep going, Deb. They mm -hmm. really do. They just keep going and going, and they have a lot of services. And my experience as a grief therapist is people are more comfortable knowing that they're not going to run into people they know. Mm -hmm. So if there's a group out of Colorado versus there's a group in my small town in upstate New York, 
-hmm. there's a likelihood they're going to migrate right into Colorado so they don't run into people they know. And even though there's there's confidentiality, there's still that, oh, but you know someone I know thing. Yeah. And no town is a small town anymore. So everybody has a connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the other thing I want to ask is, because there's some other groups for me, I was exploring, do you have literature that you can send out via email? We do. We do. And would be more than happy to share. So um, again, that accessibility piece, what we really tried to do is not duplicate programs and information, but really bring people together. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and that's when, how I was introduced to Jill uh, to say, you know, I'm, I'm not the rebellious widow, uh, but I know one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I know one and I can introduce her to a community of people that are interested. So it's a lot of it's about connection and mm-hmm. um, spreading the word. So yes, we have literature. Um, we've got a blog. We have um, brochures and flyers that we are happy mm-hmm. to send to organizations or individuals. Um, you know, we don't have, um, you know, I will email PDFs all day long um, because Perfect. we really Perfect. want our, our, um, mission is really to make this accessible for people. And then we, we've been blessed by, um, you know, organizations and individuals that believe in our mission financially. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're able to continue to serve in that way. Can, can you tell our listening audience, like, I'm sure you have 30 of these groups, but name some of the different groups that you have. And, and the second part is, do you have one-on-one support counseling that people can call in. Obviously they can't get to Colorado, mm-hmm. but can, is there is there a way to do that too? So I'm just curious. Yeah, so kind of high level, some of our programs, uh, we've got a, a program called First Steps that we launched this last year and we're, we're really proud of it and look forward to growing it more. First Steps, uh, I have yet to lead a support group uh, or talk to somebody who has experienced a loss where it doesn't come up that navigating the logistics, especially in the beginning, is just incredibly overwhelming. Uh, you've, you've had this significant loss in your life, or maybe it's not significant, but at the end of the day, you still need to contact T-Mobile and contact the utility company and what do I do with the house and how do I navigate all of those logistics And if it is a loss that's close to you, all the while you're grieving. And so, you know, the number of calls that we have to place right after somebody dies to telling our story and how do you put things away? And people say, you know, I made this call and it led to another. So anyway, um, we have a workbook that's available for people to purchase that includes all of the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, virtual seminars led by Shane Phillips, who wrote the book, and he is available um, to walk people through that. He's in the financial, um, he's in a, a, the banking industry now, uh, but I ex- experienced the loss of his uh, parents and sister when he was 16 and then had to close everything. He became the business owner and um, had to navigate all of the financials and logistics for his family. So he gets it. I, I like people that get it. That's a lot uh, to manage as a youngster. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Even as so, a middle-aged person, that's a lot to manage. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot to manage when you don't have a loss. 
Yeah. Right. I would pay yeah. somebody to call the cable company for me at this point. Yeah. Like I don't want to, that's a mess. Um, so we have, we have the, the first steps program. Um, again, those are virtual seminars and the workbooks available. Um, and then we have, um, open support groups. So, uh, some of our virtual open support groups are, uh, loss of a spouse or partner, um, mm -hmm. loss of a parent. We have a COVID loss group that's virtual right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a group called growing through grief and that's open to somebody who's, who's had a recent loss, uh, in of any type. Um, and then I know we're probably going to talk about this, but um, we're going to open up a group for people who have experienced loss specific to um, the fires here in Colorado, but open to any type of um, any type of loss around uh, natural disaster or things like that. Mm -hmm. So we've got That's those groups. such a need right now. We, we were talking before we went online for our listeners and, you know, we're thinking about the folks in New York, yeah. And the folks in Colorado, of course, but we've had Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. and nonstop fires here in California. Our fire season is 10 months long now. Yeah. And the ongoing trauma from that, I know therapists who've moved from here to elsewhere and they've said, you know, I, I love California, but it was mm -hmm. such a weird yeah. thing to realize I could live somewhere and not worry about getting ready to run. Mm-hmm. I want to add to that because I, I live in Tornado Alley here. Yeah. I just saw on the news, Kentucky, Bowling Green, remember a month ago, I think it was like all these tornadoes hit Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Illinois. Mm -hmm. Maybe some in Indiana, but um, the biggest losses were focused in those four states. And that is a natural disaster. And when yeah. there is nothing in, it's hell. <laughs> when there And I, yeah. I can therefore putting up and saying comments like, what do I do? I, I don't work in disasters. I don't work in grief and loss. And there were lots of people kindly saying, well, you need EMDR. And they're like, mm. you don't know. Not right now. We don't, we, we don't have a building. We, and right. So I went into CISD stuff. And for those who don't know, it's critical constant stress debriefing. And how right. do you create a memory book with what's yeah. left right now? So kids have something to take home from the disaster center to wherever home is, whether, you know, and it may be 150 miles away at grandma's house. Right. We don't have a lot of people who are super experienced nationwide right. in huge right. disasters. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been, I, I tend to be an observer. And when, when we just experienced the fires here in Colorado, um, you know, it's not far from, from where I live. Like we were watching, like, do we need to, we weren't home at the time. And we kept thinking, gosh, do we need to head over that way? Because um, we're, you know, about one mile from a pre-evacuation zone. Wow. And and yeah, my brother-in-law was pre-evacuated and we have several friends that, that lost their homes and just observing the response to that people inherently, I believe, want to help. And so we jump in and, and it's so similar to when you experience a death loss, people want to help. They jump in. You, you have the hopefully memorial um, at the loss of somebody who's died or some way to, 
to have ritual around that. People typically bring, you, you get flowers, your house looks like a, you know, florist, um, right? You get, you have more tuna casseroles than you'd ever want in your entire life. Um, but it's a way that people know how to express um, their right. care when, when words are inadequate. And, and then you get the, the you know, really helpful, um, oh, well, it was, it was just things, or she was old. Or, there must have been know, a plan behind it. There's, God doesn't handle you, hand you anything you can't get through. I'm just going to have a, I, I, I flinch yeah. <laughs> when people say that. Yeah. All the helpful things, right? Right. And Jen, I don't know if you know this, but my father-in-law just died. And my wife on her note about it said, I really, really would like to hear happy memories. I don't want to hear anyone say thoughts and prayers. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for me. Stop it. Yeah. And that's what people get. And I'm sure people in Colorado are getting all the helpful. Well, they get all the helpful, helpful. Um, <laughs> but but then, then it's just things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people, that's what they say. And people rush to, I mean, we've got places that have said we have more donations that we know what to do with. People are donating their things. And, and an acquaintance of mine said, Jen, I don't want a used coat. I want my wedding dress and I want the ornaments for my kids. And yeah, I can, I can rebuild. I can go to Target and buy toothpaste. Um, but there, there's really no way to replace what was lost. And, that is, it's so, it's so parallel to when we lose a person. Right. Um, right. We, sure. You can, you can get remarried says the really helpful person, you know? Um, but no, cause then you're breaking the widow rules. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah right, right. But, but it's all of these things that all the helpful things and, and we just want to do and fix and, and we can't. And so how do we hold space for and allow the process um, to unfold and get to the point where once our basic needs are met, um, we can hold space to process what's happened. And in Colorado, a lot of what was lost was pets. And a those are pets. not things. Mm-hmm. No. Those aren't. So for those in Colorado who've lost one of your fur babies, mm-hmm. I know all three of us here feel it with you. There was, I posted something here on our page that someone made a memorial, everyone who lost a pet could send their picture in and they made a Mm. memorial picture of them and were able to describe their relationship with them. But those are the kinds of losses that go unnoticed in these Mm -hmm. because it was just a dog. No, 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 that, that, that was my kid. Yeah. And it was Ralph. Right. And, and my, my kids ornaments and all the things. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the bigger questions I have when people are, um, thinking they're helpful with what they think are are comforting words mm-hmm. and they're not because it minimizes the loss let's just get to that so i and i've been thinking about this recently when there is no way you can fix it mm-hmm. what is it and so you feel helpless as a person you feel helpless in a situation where everybody rushes to fix things. The person, what, what needs to change or be learned or accepted in oneself that you can't fix it. Yeah. So what can you do? Or is it okay to say, 
I don't know what to say. I don't know how to fix this or just say, I wish I could fix this mm -hmm. in some way. And there is no way mm -hmm. it's like, a nobody want, I won't say nobody, those of us who are in the death and dying field, of course, and, and loss field, right. That there's people feel helpless. And so, uh, wrote that <laughs> i was gonna say something i was gonna say we were watching some of these yesterday and i thought gosh do i do i have time <laughs> i didn't mind this morning again that's so funny but you know one of deb what you're saying is one of the things that's missing in this is when you have a single loss you've got your community around you but even if they're full of thoughts and prayers and it's only things. That's when a single house burns down. Mm -hmm. There's 500 gone. Colorado, a community Colorado. in Kansas and in all of the other Absolutely. states where the tornadoes hit in Northern California last year. Towns disappeared. Yeah. Yes. History disappeared. Yes. When we had the big tornado, Ogden was wiped off the map. Yes. A good right. portion of it. And so, so the people that right those people turn to, you don't you don't have your neighbor. Right. No. Right. I and live so in my in the house next door to my mom. I'm I am now living in the house where the neighbors that I'm still friends with who are now in their mid to late 80s lived. And I have that community. So when I right. lost my father-in-law, that community surrounded us. Those folks in Colorado and any place else where there's a massive loss, they don't, they don't have their community anymore. Yeah. Pittsburgh, an example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many, I'm going to say this in an exasperated way. Too many children died in the fire in the Bronx. Okay. I think it was in the Bronx. And, yeah. you know, everything's out of order. Kids aren't supposed to yeah. die before parents, you know. I'm siblings aren't supposed to die as children. Yeah, right. They're not supposed to die. That's that's our mental order in our head. Right. And so people don't realize it's not just one. It's the whole the community grieves. The community as a palpable right energy. I don't know what to call it. So yeah. So, I mean, you know, I will, I will tell you so much of the feeling here too is, you know, this was the same community that had the um, shooting in, in the King Supers. Um, right. Yes. yes. And, last year. And I think what, again, as an observer, uh, there, there is that. Um, and and it, you, I mean, you hear yourself saying like, gosh, like how much more can a community take? And what, what is profound to me, um, it was profound to me when I started volunteering in hospice. How do you do this, right? Um, what's profound to me about people is that people are so incredibly resilient. And I'm going to say the word. Um, and, and it's not the, the whole positive make meaning out of um, something horrible. It, it's not to placate things. Um, but just watching people truly come together and watching people show up for one another and watching people, you know, you, there's a richness in um, not numbing our pain 
and then so share that, the same grief experience. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a rich, there's a richness in that. And, and when we hold space and we open up to do that, it's, it's really profound. What a type of, I mean, the, when you come to Colorado sometime, visit Boulder, because if you want to see the true definition of community, um, it is there. I and, have therapist friends who are there. One of them had a kid who worked at King Supers, but wasn't mm -hmm. at work that day. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, the community it's has really been incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it's just really incredible. So, you, you know, in terms of moving, moving through this and, um, you know, it's not like that we have to be um, suffocated by the, the horribleness and the tragedy because there, there is beauty. There's true beauty. And it doesn't um, have to take us apart. There's, right. there's also a huge myth in the, in the therapeutic community that says if someone has multiple losses or a massive disaster loss, then they're immediately going to have to go into um, really complicated grief, yeah. which yeah. has a completely new name, but is still complicated grief. It's, mm -hmm. it's the extended loss process. And it's not true. Right. You don't right. have to, because if you have the right support and you have an identified shared loss, yes, mm -hmm. you can get through it as, as a community with, with good folks like the center mm -hmm. to be there for them and to host mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk just briefly about what you said, Jill, and what you've been saying, Jen. Identified shared loss. And I've been using the expression shared reality. Mm -hmm. Because when you share that reality that everybody lost something, everybody is hurting. It might be different ways. I think that is a way to come together and frankly some people want to it's too painful for them so they will push yeah. the loss away and or they don't understand you know spouses don't understand when the wife loses her parents or the wife does, or the spouse whatever they it's not until they've been through it it's a different it's a different thing. So I, I think I ask our listening <coughs> to, <clears throat> even if it, you have not experienced that, just imagine that per, being in that person's shoes or however you want to look at it. So good question, Brittany. Yeah. Is there, are there, is there, are there people with survivor's guilt in Colorado right now? And I, I know that to be true. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Space for that too. Yeah. And, and to, and to question it too. Why, why I think a lot of people are asking why me, whether they lost everything or they didn't. Right. And it's the same question. And that, again, that symbolizes our humanness Two people in complete right. somebody who still has their home and all of their belongings mm -hmm. next door to somebody who doesn't, the same question is coming up. Why me? Right. And, and I think it's just so important to, to, to recognize when we ask those why questions, um, sometimes there's not an answer. No. There's, a lot of times there's not an answer. In our rational brains, in our humanness, there is no explanation. Like stuff happens. And, and you don't can use anybody, the other word. Don't anybody listen to this think that you need to fill that blank in. Right. Exactly. Don't who's lost everything something to fill in the space absorb mm -hmm. it with them be mm -hmm. with them don't give them a used coat mm -hmm. 
if you have pictures though of that family from other times yes duplicate and create some shared memories for them mm -hmm. what a great idea give them that give them a book or something that's got some of those book those pictures that have now disappeared yeah mm -hmm. we have a, a close friend who who lost her wedding dress and photo albums and um the response of of one of her good friends um was okay we can't, we obviously can't replace that. And she took it as, a, as an opportunity. She said, let's go to Cabo and you guys can get remarried. I'll come. There you go. <laughs> what a great creative. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. Like we can, we're going to celebrate, celebrate again. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing. Another thing is you can, if you remember the photographer's name, mm -hmm. you can ask if, they have anything, you know, if, yeah. you know, chances are they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know when my first wife died, we were getting ready for the memorial. I was like, we were not people who had big pictures. We had just the standard pictures. And I emailed our wedding photographer and said, can, can you do a big one in time? Cause I've got like five days and darned if you didn't make mm. a 16 by 20 frame it and deliver it and then show up mm. for the memorial service. Right. Yeah. Oh, the photographers do that because they do the work they do because they love people. Mm -hmm. They love people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fred's jealous. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> wow. So once again, is it, it's listed in our, I've got it in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to, I usually share this on my page. Jill will share it in her circles and, other yeah, we're, yeah, we're starting a, a group. Um, again, we intentionally waited um, to, to give people space um, to, you know, make sure that the logistic, they've, the survival needs were met. Um, right. And and we might still even be a little too soon. Um, so I, I share that in the spirit of, I mean, things can come up a year later um, where people are saying, okay, and now I have the space in the I feel safe enough to start to really process this. Mm -hmm. And so, but for those that are looking for something now, um, we are going to be offering, we've partnered with a hospice in the area and we're offering drop-in grief sessions. We are off, also offering a four-week group. Um, and this would be open for anybody across the country who has experienced the loss of a home um, or, or their things or has been impacted. Um, we had somebody who um, really wanted to process. Um, he said, I became an emergency responder and I didn't have that training. Um, so it have invited him to participate in a, it's a four week group. Uh, it's closed. So it's the same people every time and we have curriculum. So we go through, um, memorializing and letter writing in different, offer different tools, uh, that people can then practice in a mm -hmm. safe, safe guided space and then see if something, um, resonates with them for a more long-term, uh, mm -hmm. way to, to explore further. That's awesome. I've got one friend in, um, Northern California, who works directly with the fire first responders and has a training now to prepare them for loss yeah. ahead of time and do some pre-trauma training. And a friend in Denver who does that for law enforcement, mm -hmm. trains mm -hmm. them on how to prepare for facing um, grief and loss and trauma. Yeah, it's super helpful, but it's it's not a, a normal thing to experience, even if you're in those areas. Right. And, and especially for, I mean, that day things happened so quickly. Oh, there was so, no right. Oh, so yeah. neighbors, neighbors all of a sudden became 
the sheriff's office banging on the door, right? I mean, we the people were um, nurses mm -hmm. were getting babies out of NICUs, and um, I mean, people were responding just as absolutely quickly as possible. And and kudos, I have got to say it, the emergency response th that everybody was involved. I I have done disaster preparedness um, for many 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 years. And the fact that they got that many people out and all of those organizations came together is absolutely incredible. So there's always something that we can learn, of course. Um, and we're talking about reverse 911s here in Colorado and um, right. how to tie that more to GPS rather than actual where you actually where you signed up and landlines. All of that we can review. But the fact that those many agencies got that many agencies got that many people out is absolutely profound. Right. It's, absolutely profound. It, I live in a high fire zone and I have lived through, I've lived through my entire life. I've lived through multiple wildfires and we've had several that we had one, I was just driving out to Palm Springs, happened to be on the freeway going near my neighborhood and a fire had just started and was just chewing through and yeah. was doing fire behavior. So it wasn't going up, it was going down. I could see it was headed right for my house. And I had moments to get there. And then just before it was about to chew into the backyards of our little tiny 10 house area, the, um, they dropped the, they've dropped water, mud, borate, everything all over the neighborhood. But there was one neighbor and me there trying to figure out how we were going to evacuate 27 pets mm -hmm. on foot because mm -hmm. the fire department wouldn't let us in with our cars. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you don't have much time. There yeah, is no fire right. changes the, the course of everything. Right. Four minutes, four minutes for Rapidly. some, no minutes for some and right. um, four minutes you know, yeah. So that whole thing about identify what you're going to take. No, you're, you are literally making sure you've got the car keys so you can flee. Yeah. Yep. So it's amazing yeah. when you do those groups are, are my kudos to those folks. I living in a fire zone is a, there's a certain amount of anxiety that just never goes away. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It is. And it's a high wind day today here and it's dry. So mm -hmm. we're on fire watch here in Southern California mm -hmm. in the middle of January. Gotta love it. Jen, thank you for being here. I'm oh my so gosh, thank you. You here. we started this and you said, Don't worry, we'll incorporate humor. And now I'm like, oh wow, we didn't do a very good job at that. I we did. Yeah. We, did. <laughs> we did. There were little things that we said along the way because what humor, as Jill and I know, um, whether it's a little huh, 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 or you're like it has to be organic. And when you're this close to a, to a real disaster, that's yeah. right. organic is a whole lot more toned down. It is. And another yeah. few people there will be joking about trying to find their favorite underwear. Yes. Um, and, you know, they miss their Christmas socks. And right. Kind of oh. stuff. And the humor will start to bubble, bubble up. Yes. Yeah. And there were the hurricanes in... Uh, in Southern, in Florida, I think it was, the organic humor or Hurricane Katrina or whenever the hurricanes came, you would see the organic humor mm -hmm. that people used to cope, you know, like they put up a part of the wall that fell down and they would spray paint house for sale, cheap, yeah. you know, things like that. And that is organic. Yeah, my it current is. wife, as you know, Stacy's a funeral director, is on the National Disaster Mortuary team. So she was in Katrina for ten months, mm. and one of the things mm -hmm. everybody had to do there once the water had gone down, 
and everybody was in the middle of cleanup was um, go take a picture under the cow in the tree. Yep. But you had to make sure you weren't going to get nailed by anything falling off the tree, but you had to take a picture with the cow in the tree. Um, and they had a pet, I want to say possum at the morgue that people petted and that kind of things. It was just, you, you have to, you find the humor. You find where the humor. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And you learn how to, you learn some new tricks and you make some new friends. Yeah. Uh, Steve says uh, his husband that had died, right? Said just pile the flies and dog and marriage license on him. And he would take off in his chair. It was faster than uh, the van. The van. Uh, oh. Yeah. See, that's yep. what he said, you know, mm -hmm. and it, people find things and meet them where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The, the humor in mine was when I was trying to get back that day for the fire, the fire department, the, the police department wouldn't let me up. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need my car. I've got pets. You can't. And this woman was like, no, you are not going. And I'm like, I'm handicapped. And they said, you're not going. And I said, okay. I parked my car right outside the fire line and I grabbed my cane and I, and I heard the fire department folks asking this police officer, why did you do that? Well, you said no cars. And they said, right. well, we have to get someone to evacuate her and all her pets. You what is right? We could laugh at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. I was gonna have yeah. the cockatiel, the rabbit, and I think four dogs and three cats and wow. everybody and all the neighborhood pets too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. laugh. Yeah. And afterward the neighborhood got together in the middle of the street smelling like smoke and laughed about how we were all going to figure this out. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And we did laugh about the students who parked their car in front of the fires, fire, the only fire hydrant on our street. Because we live in a university neighborhood, mm -hmm. and our department was like, "Yeah, no, end of that car," and punched it, punched it, and put the line right through it. Mm -hmm. Well, learning experience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> natural <laughs> consequences. Right behind my house. Do not park your car in front of the fire hydrant in this fire zone. Not now, yeah. not ever. Yeah. All right. Well, I will be on with the Heartlight Center um, in in February, and mm -hmm. we will be doing some things there. I'm so glad you guys are doing stuff for the fire, and I know in those groups you're going to find some humor bubbling up. Um, Always and if you do. Find it, make it inappropriate. It's okay. Yes, <laughs> it's part of surviving. Yes. Well, thank you both so much for having me and Jill. We're excited for your presentations in February. Those are open, so people can register for the link and yeah. um, join. Deb, should we go to the heart thing that I'm so fond of now? Oh, so right. you put your left hand here. You take your right hand and hold your thumb and curl your hands. I can't show you something like that. And that is a mudra. A mudra is a certain, uh, uh, it symbolizes, it's a symbol that you make with your hands, like in yoga or someplace. And you hold it close, and that gives you comfort. Mm -hmm. Put it right under right your heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like that. You mm -hmm. calm the pressure and just, just push up against. And it's sort of like giving yourself a hug. Mm -hmm. So to everybody out there, give yourself a hug. Have a good week, everyone. A better week for those of you in, the, in all these disasters. We'll be back next week. We'll make some trouble next week. Um, somebody else makes trouble and then we'll just handle the trouble. 
That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone.